Hello, Babylonian! Babblers, today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's 15O, capital F, capital F. Go to thegallery.com, that's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. What is crack a lacking? I know um, episodes typically drop at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays, but if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, um, you guys will know <laughs> that... My house got broken into over the weekend, well, on Friday, which was Shauna's birthday. That night, I went to work, and I came home about 10.30, and me and my boyfriend were sitting here at the table I'm sitting at right now, and I was, like, we were just sitting there for a minute, and it, like, just, like, dawned on me. I'm like, hold on, hold on a hot second. Wait a minute. Um, I don't, I was like, all my podcast shit was gone gone. So if this sounds a little different, I'm using an old mic that I had. I did go and get a new laptop. Um, I've got a soundboard coming that should be here next week. I've got some more microphones that are coming that are a little bit nicer. The guy I got the laptop from actually gave me some of his mics because he used to do music and stuff. So um, it's just me and Arlo here. Um, On top of my house getting broken into and all my podcast stuff being stolen, my TV, some of my boyfriend's items, they stole my freaking Dr. Pepper. Yes, my vanilla or my cream soda Dr. Pepper out of my fridge, plus a case of Pepsi. So yeah, that's what, uh, that's ended up, that ended up being what went down. So I'm still going to tell you guys a true crime story. I just wanted to tell mine because yeah, it was crazy. I had just gotten off the phone with my mom, and then, you know, it realized, holy shit, I have nothing. But, um, luckily, the podcast world and friends and my, um, some, some people, you know, sent money to us just to help us out. Um, I've got Dr. Pepper now, haha, <laughs> always. But, um, <clears throat> um, my friend Maggie from Have You Seen It, uh, King of Kino, Pharaoh, he helped. I'm not 100% sure what his name is. Um, And then my amazing friend, Mandy, that I've talked about a thousand times, Wildling Wonders Art. I always emphasize that because I'd always say it wrong. She helped out by selling some of her art pieces and donated to us. So we're taking steps in the right direction. Have yet to hear a damn thing from anybody about who may or may not have stole my stuff, but... Um, my brother gave me some really sweet advice about not letting them win and because I was going to skip this week's episode, I really was like, I'm just not feeling it. Oh yeah, I was going to say on top of everything, my um, Shauna's second oldest son, uh, my nephew, tested positive for COVID. So we're just layering on this nasty, unfucking happy cake. So... With that being said, I am going to get into my story. Um, 
Um, this is another suggestion from our buddy Nate. He's on, uh, he, eh, he suggested this story to us from Twitter. He's got like all of the episodes that I'm going to be doing, especially while in quarantine. I'm not sick. Um, my son isn't sick. So knock on wood. Shauna said one of her boy, other boys were, wasn't feeling the greatest. So we'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, we're, uh, we tested out Google Hangouts and then, um, my amazing other podcast hero, him and, uh, Jesse, uh, uh, his name's Hella Greg on everything social media, and he does a uh, Twitch live, and then he does a podcast too, just talking about different things. Like tonight, he's talking about like actual Men in Black, like alien shit. So it's awesome. Um, he ended up messaging me a good portion of that first night after my house had gotten broken into, just checking in on me, and I freaking sobbed because I'm like, he probably thinks I'm just like this random person, but I mean, the fact that he reached out and like was like checking on me to make sure that I was okay. Helping spread the word about um, Mandy's art page um, with her donations and everything. It just, it, uh, I've cried, I cried a lot over the last four days, y'all. Or, well, it's the eighth. Yeah, four days, because it was on the fourth. So, needless to say, I'm going to tell you a story about Patricia Jennings, or, or P Patricia, Patricia Wells Jennings, if you look up Patricia Jennings, I think there's an actual author named that, so that is not the same person. So I, I've got a bunch of notes ready, and I'm going to have a whole lot more because now that I have a good laptop and I have access, like, I saved all my stuff to my OneDrive um, with all the notes I'd had already for lined up for cases. Um, I'm just grateful that shit didn't get messed up. My, my old laptop was password protected, so if they were to get in there, they'd have to either be really fucking smart or they'd have to ma factory reset it because if you, like, open it, I mean, it would show, like, you know, the typical backgrounds for, um, for different things, like different countries and different beautiful places in the world, and it says, do you like this? Are you a fan? Blah, blah, blah. Or, um, but if you click that, it would show my name, my first and last name. Most people know it. I don't like really saying it because I don't need to be pinpointed any more than I already have. <laughs> um, but then it was password protected. So you would see a picture of my son. That was my background. So like I said, Arlo's here chilling. He is watching um, a Netflix show. So hopefully he's got it down pretty quiet. So you won't be able to see that. So we're going to talk about Patricia today. Um, there wasn't a whole lot I could find on her childhood or her upbringing, so we're going to just jump straight to 1983. She was born August 24th, 1942, and as Kelly always says, I always have a birth date, and that is my dad's dog's birthday, <laughs> but she's not quite that old. Um, she's 13. She's pushing it. But anyways, in 1983, she was 40 years old when she meets her soon-to-be husband, William Jennings, who was 73 years old. So she's 40, he's 73, 33 years apart. I ain't saying she a gold digger. Oh, spoiler alert. Ha <laughs> ha. So they were kindred spirits and they just immediately clicked. Patricia was working as a nurse in Wilson County, North Carolina. We've got listeners in North Carolina. Y'all reach out to me. Tell me that everything's going to be okay. But anyways, if you've heard of this lady, tell me. Because she is still alive today. She was working in a nursing home. Um, he was a recovered alcoholic and he wanted to help others. So he would go into these places and just like, um, kind of like be like a, just a shoulder to lean on kind of thing. So he was doing well and loved helping others. And then he meets Pat and they went out to dinner and they had an immediate spark, which I put eye roll. 1987, they are married. So that's four years later. She's 44. He's 77. 
he wasn't a typical frail old man. He was very much uh, active, and there's, <laughs> that's literally what I typed, and their sex life isn't anything less than spicy. He also had a lot of assets and invested in the stock market. He was rich, and this bitch seems a little gold digger adjacent, which is why I said what I said. So her interest turned toward his financial situation real quick. So they met. They ended up meeting up with a financial advisor, and Patty decided she wanted some funds to be transferred into her bank account. You want to know how much? Fucking half. Half of her fucking ass, his assets, to be transferred into her name. Which, in this one clip that I watched off this, um, some one of the YouTube videos that I watched, it was like a reenactment kind of video. Um, she just, she's just like, I want one million dollars put in my bank account. She had like this accent. I'm like, I don't know if she actually had an accent, but it made me laugh. So her interest, oh wait, I already said that. She had her husband convinced he was in good hands with her having half of what he had. She went by happy and bought a car and jewelry. He wasn't able to keep track of his new young wife's spending. She pleaded off his memory was going his memory was going with his age and he was convinced she might be right. This woman I'm going to just spoil this a little bit. She starts to convince him that he has dementia. And he doesn't. He doesn't. ASMR. <laughs> so, um, okay. They started traveling quite a bit, and that would disorient him even more. He then called one of his friends, whose name was George, um, he, to come help him one night when he was left at a hotel by himself. Huh? I wrote by wrong. I put, like, money by, like, buy something instead of buy, B-Y. Good job, Nicole. Um, sorry if that sounds gross with this new little microphone. I, I even have to hold it in my hand because I'm using Audacity and it wasn't very loud and I want you to be able to hear me. So Patricia took his wallet, his clothes, and the hotel room key. His friend grew rather concerned and she returned and blamed it on the dementia. Dementia. I saw that word. Weird. Word? Where? His friend felt this wasn't the case and William doesn't have dementia. He suffered from... Patricia disorder in my opinion and she kept giving him meds and these meds that were messing with his mind and convinced everyone else it was dementia because remember she was a nurse she was working in a nursing home when they met she started locking him in hotel rooms for days at a time confused because she was drugging him up she realized quick he was a pushover and said yes to her every request but he soon became clear-headed and that he wasn't as sick as she made him think he was so he, he's like, this is my own brain. I know what's going on. I know something is right, isn't right. So he at one point decides he'd like to skip his medication for the night and she became very upset and violent. So this is the first set of violence that happens between them with him becoming aware that she's fucking with his head. So she started stomping on him with her cowboy boots and he wouldn't hit back or leave. He was too proud or embarrassed or even afraid of her. He may not have known where he could go, but on September 19th, 1989, he's held captive in another hotel room. So that was, so 1989. Um, where was the first year? Do, 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 do. I don't know. Okay. So he had around 20,000. No, he may not have known where he could go. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I lost my fucking place because I went to scroll back through notes. He had around $20,000 left. This dude had millions set up. Millions. Like, maybe like two or three. Maybe four. 20 grand left. That's, for me, that's a lot of money because I am a poor human in all forms. <laughs> but $20,000 was left. 
So his final hours were upon him and he didn't even know. So this is September 19th still, which is a terrible day for me for a different reason. But anyways, Patricia realized she loved hurting him and she took matters into her own tiny, nasty, grubby, fucking filthy hands. Those weren't in my notes. I just added that for effect. Um, she started again stomping on him, stomping on his head, and then she took it up another notch and she sodomized him. Oh, I should have said trigger warning with a foreign object. I don't know what the object was, but she does this more than once. So I'm sorry if you heard that and it freaks you out. Um, I apologize. Um, she took hours to kill this man. She withered down by drugging him, weakening him. One of the drugs she used to wither him down was called butyl, butylbital, butylbital, butylbital. I remember looking that up a long time ago when I was trying to sound things up, sound things out because I, you guys know how well I read. So, and that's a drug that's used with other medic medications to help with pain and tension headaches. At around 9.30 p.m., so this started that morning, um, she calls the front desk and is like, um, we have a code blue because remember she's a nurse and she's like super smart or whatever. And the hotel manager calls 911 emergency, uh, whoo, emergency personnel arrive 935. So she called at 930. They were there in five fucking minutes. Like, fuck yeah, you go North Carolina. Anyways, she was performing CPR on her husband who was naked on the floor Larry, uh, Larry, paramedic Larry Parnell asked Patricia how long he had been down. She said between five to ten minutes. She's a fucking liar. He began CPR on William and said his skin appeared cool and his body was generally stiff, maybe because he had been dead for a while, for a hot minute. It's not five to ten minutes. It's hours, y'all. I'm about to spoil my own notes. Okay, anyways, continuing on. So it was mentioned when Parnell testified Patricia was in a black nightgown and brown cowboy boots. Sorry if that was very loud. Didn't mean to get that close to the microphone. But she wore those so often and would kick her husband in the head and the genitals with them. Those brown cowboy boots. Constantly always wearing them. But she was in those boots when they arrived on scene to her dead husband because he was very much dead. So he was taken to Wilson Memorial Hospital where he was pronounced dead. Dr. Andrew Price, who was a physician, as well as a medical examiner, examined his body at 10.30 p.m. that night and said that he had been dead for hours, contrary to, con contrary to what Patricia claimed. So his body temperature was 86.3 oh degrees, I was going to say thrith, and it was not going to sound great, uh, degrees indicating he had been dead for six to eight hours, not five to ten minutes, you stupid bitch, six to eight hours. So, not less than an hour. Um, or not less than an hour, like Patricia fucking was like, oh my god. No, you're a fucking horrible person. So Dr. Paige Hudson, who is a forensic pathologist and former chief medical examiner for the state of North Carolina, performed an autopsy on September 20th, 1989, my mom's birthday. The next day, there were multiple bruises and scrapes on his head, scalp, face, neck, legs, arms, and hands. Um, this talks about, this kind of gets a little, I wouldn't say, uh, graphic. I don't know, but it's going to get kind of sad for a minute, guys. Um, there was a large bruise on his abdominal cavity, the tissue which holds in and supports the intestines and contains blood vessels to the intestines. There was blunt force impact to the abdominal wall. Remember, she liked to stomp. And that blood loss from the tears caused his death. Um, the injury wasn't consistent with a fall in the bathtub unless the victim fell from the height of 20 feet. 
Dr. Hudson had testified in court against Patricia. Spoiler alert, she may have been the one who did it, which is definitely true. So anyways, um, just checking my, this is probably going to be a real, real short episode, but that's okay. The injury was consistent with a kick or a stomp to the abdomen, maybe with cowboy boots, perhaps. Additionally, tiny, um, they found tiny cracks or splits in the thin membrane that lined the anus around the sphincter. She sodomized him. Remember, (laughs) I put that in the notes. The surface of the membrane had been stretched to the point that it cracked. It wasn't consistent with the use of a rectal thermometer like she said she sometimes used to check his temperature. Like, why? Why would you even, like, for one, why would you mention that? And two, bitch, like, it's, no, just, okay. Mm-mm-mm. I'm fine. There were also injuries to the head of his penis in the form of sh- sharply defined wounds. The forceps were examined from the crime scene and found a small piece of skin consistent with the type of the underside of the eyelid or the head of the penis. I don't think she was trying to pry his fucking eyeballs open. I think she put the... Oh my god, what if... Okay, trigger warning just for what I'm going to say. This isn't fact about something she did, but what if she like put it into his penis and spread it? Ah! Oh god! Okay, I'm done with that thought. Bye! Okay, um... There was a laceration on the shaft of his penis, scrapes at the base of the penis, and a scratch on his scrotum. No. (laughs) I'm not talking about yours. Yes, I've taught my son that his penis is a penis. And if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry. But he's sitting on my couch being so good right now, so I'm so sorry you had to hear that. So... It was suggested all these injuries happened at the same time prior to William dying. Fact. William's brain was also examined. There was no evidence of any organic brain disorder, including Alzheimer's. Didn't have it. I know I said dementia earlier. I know that they're just kind of, those are different things, but it, it wasn't apparent. He's also testified that the deprivation, deprivation of caring interaction can have a great effect of the personality of elderly people and can lead to mental alterations confusion and what appears to be dementia so if older people aren't taken care of and cared for because like they say we go from baby to old old person we like just go through that cycle through life like they literally it literally messes with their brain I feel like even as a 27-year-old, it messes with my fucking brain, and I'm 27, as I just said twice. It's fine. It was also noted that the drugs can cause symptoms similar to those um, displayed by people w- with by some personas with dementia. Upon inv- Sorry, Zoe's barking in the background. She's outside. Arlo, will you go let Zoe in the house? Okay. Thanks. Upon investigating the bloodstained adults... Um, okay. Upon investigating the hotel room, there was a large blood stain on the carpet in the hotel room, blood on the sheets, and a blood stain adult's diaper underneath a pillow. I tried to skip a line. There was also a blood stain on the underside of a pillowcase. There were several doctors who claimed Jennings' injuries could have been self-inflicted with the relation of dementia. That dementia was obvious. Thank you. <laughs> that was ignored because, duh. Like, why would he self-inflict those when it's clear that that's not the case? Um, Patricia did end up going on the stand after she was arrested for the murder of her husband and said she loved him, would never hit or kick or stomp or assault him. Those words, those exact words, never hit or kick or stomp or assault him. Bitch! Bye. 
She even said he would get depressed and beat his testicles and pick his rectum. Huh. That's just... I mean, maybe he did those things, but that would not indicate the damage that is done to someone's rectum and anus by putting whatever she put into him. I frankly don't want to know, and if you know, please keep it to yourself, because that's just gross. Um, I'm literally almost done with this. That's crazy. Like I said, gonna be a short-ass episode, y'all. Actually, I've got more I can just babble on about, because that's what we're here to do. She would even say he would go into canine behavior. Yeah, canine, like a dog. Crawl on the floor and make noises like a dog and want, want to eat food off the floor like a dog. Because you drugged him. If those things even happened, you psycho bitch. Like, who knows if she's telling the truth or not? I mean, if he's so disoriented, it wouldn't be uncommon or anything like that that he would have disassociated just to be, to numb it. Like, you know, when people go through traumatic things, they disassociate and start doing crazy things to protect themselves. So... Um, she also said that he had received the news, he received the news a friend had died and started beating his testicles with a shoe, and that's when he fell in the bathtub. I'm like, okay, so he's in the bathtub with his, or bathroom with the shoes. Okay, whatever. But that was, (laughs) I put, that was debunked and she's an idiot. When it came down to proceedings, it was quickly decided that she would receive the death penalty real, real fast. So she was sentenced to death on November 5th, 1990. So that's almost a year later or just over a year later. Um, But it came back around later that her case wasn't handled fairly due to her having no prior charges or anything against her. And then she was resentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole in June of 2013. So seven years ago. So she was, she sat on death row for 23 years in almost complete isolation with watching a little bit of TV and she read a lot of books So with her new life sentence, she will be eligible for more visits from family and wait to die a natural death. So, that's just kind of crazy. So, um, Zoe, come here. So maybe, maybe I might, I'm going to look at one of my other stories and maybe I'll just tell you two today because I'm going to be doing a lot of researching because I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands. Hello, Babylonians. I know a lot of you have been with us for a long time, even from the beginning, and we cannot say thank you enough. And I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately, how do you make your own podcast? Well, it's simple. I use Anchor, Anchor anchor.fm, which is the website, or there is an app, or you can go on your computer, whatever you want to do. It's the easiest way. Um, It is run through Spotify, so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto, and there's lots of different, it'll stream to at least, I think, 10 different platforms or more. um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter where your setup is like, you can start creating today, today, and tell me what your podcast name is, because you know I'm going to listen. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. 
With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me, even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we're going to tell, you know what? We're going to do two stories today. We're doing it. It's happening. So that, so Patricia Wells Jennings, yep, she's sitting in prison. Um, She's just, uh, you'll see the pictures when I post this because I'm going to post this today. So this is literally recorded, going to edit, then I'm going to put it in your ear holes, guys. So we're going to move on to another case from our buddy Nate. There's, this is, yeah, it's a little bit, it's a shorter one too, but this is um, about a lady named Martha Place. So she was born Martha Maddie Gerritsen on September 18th, 1849 in uh, uh, Reddington Township, New Jersey. We got Jersey listeners, I know that. Um, to Ellen and Isaac Gerritsen. So obviously she gets married later on in life and is Martha Place. But, um, like, it, another thing, didn't find a whole lot on her childhood either. But it said when she was 23 years old, she was struck in the head by a sleigh. And her brother claimed that she never completely recovered, that the accident left her mentally unstable. Zoe, come here, please. Okay, we'll get her. Prior to, locating to relocating to New York, Place lived in New Jersey working as a dressmaker. you got to remember, this is 1849. These are typical jobs. She ended up marrying a, na- a man named Wesley Savicool. I thought that was a super cool last name. Haha. <laughs> and Martha had been widowed and had, um, so she, this is, would be her second husband then, because she'd been widowed, had a son before meeting the book, uh, before meeting, no, hold on. No, she hadn't, she'd just married Wesley, had a son with him, and then, um, ends up meeting Brooklyn insurance adjuster William Place. Her son had been left in the care of his uncle while William also widowed. Okay, so apparently Wesley Savicool died. Y'all follow that? Did you catch that monstrosity that I just tried to talk about? I'm fine. Um, William Place was also widowed, lived at 598 Hancock Street with his daughter Ida. Ida's important in this story, unfortunately. Spoiler alert. Martha was left in poverty, so she arranged for her son Ross to be adopted by a wealthy harness manufacturer, William Aschenbach, in Valsburg, New Jersey. Valsburg? Valsburg? I don't know. Please don't yell at me. In memory of their deceased, the Aschenbachs uh, changed his name to William Aschenbach Jr. I think they had lost a child, so they wanted to rename Ross to be a junior. And he lived a really fantastic life, actually, after he left Martha, which I feel anybody should not be in her. Well, she's clearly dead now because she's 1849. But anyways, Martha was William's housekeeper and then soon became his wife within a year of meeting him. And there were problems from the start. According to Martha, because, you know, she's legit and awesome, um, William's relatives were hostile Almost from the start, refusing to have anything to do with her. William also continually refused to allow her son to live with them until she, you know, planned for the adoption. Um, 
she, I put in here that he had been born to her first husband, but I've already said that, but it's fine. So it was an unhappy marriage. The couple separated after only four years. Place had a daughter named Ida from her previous marriage. William married Martha to help him raise his daughter, although it was later rumored that Martha was very jealous of her new stepdaughter, which I don't know. I don't know. Martha said Ida was a constant problem. She said Ida was sly, antagonistic, and disrespectful. Um, she didn't appreciate anything Martha did, and in Ida's view, Martha couldn't do a thing right. This is all from Martha's brain, not what Ida actually said. Uh, the more Martha tried to bring her to heal, like, do what she wanted her to do, the more Ida deliberately defied her. Because I would do the same fucking thing. This bitch comes in here and is like, um, I'm your new mom now, um, and I'm gonna treat you like Cinderella because I'm the fucking devil. But anyways, according to Martha, William continually indulged Ida's behavior, William ended up calling the police at once, at least once, after his wife threatened to kill Ida. Martha had a vicious temper. Things had to go her way, and anyone not towing her line usually suffered from it. Her own brother admitted that she had the worst temper he'd ever seen, and Ida made a point of defying Martha. It was a mistake that would cost Ida her life. So on the evening of February 7th, 1898, William was, um, had arrived in Brooklyn, New York, um, arrived at his Brooklyn, New York home and was attacked by Martha, who was wielding an axe. So they apparently moved to New York because this was started in Jersey. The home smelled of carbolic acid, which was wafting through the house and Ida was nowhere to be seen. So she had, first she, we'll get there, hold on. William had come back from work in Manhattan and didn't return until 5.30 that evening. William escaped and ran for help. When the police arrived, they found Martha Martha in critical condition. Wait. She was... No. Not Martha. Ida. Jeez, oh, Pete's. She was lying on the floor with clothes over her head and gas burners was escaping into the room. Nope. I was right. I thought I was wrong. I'm stupid. Guys, I'm so sorry. Sean would be like, you're not stupid. So they found Martha in critical condition. She was lying on the floor with clothes over her head and gas from burners was escaping into the room. Um, gosh, I lost my spot because I heard noises outside. Um, when the police arrived, um, they also found the body, the body of Ida Place, 17-year-old Ida lying on a bed, blood coming from her mouth. William was an amateur photographer, which involved the use of that that type of acid that the house smelled like and the murderer had thrown this acid in Ida's eyes. Oh, not only to be murdered, but to have acid thrown in your eyes right beforehand. But, um, it later, evidence later indicated that Ida Place died from asphyxiation. Martha was hospitalized and then arrested. The police, or Place proclaimed her innocence while awaiting trial. One contemporary newspaper report described the defendant in this way. So this is how they said she was. She was rather tall and spare, with a pale, sharp face. Her nose is long and pointed, her chin sharp and prominent, her lips thin, and her forehead retreating. Huh! There's something about her face that reminds one of a rat's, and the bright but changeless eyes somehow strengthen the impression. What a writer! <laughs> Oof! That's a very good description. Okay, we're gonna keep going. Martha was found guilty of the murder. Did my phone die? Oh, okay. Okay, sorry. Had to take a small break because Arlo's dad called because he's going to come hang out with him. Or he's going to go hang out with his dad. 
um, tonight. Okay, um, so, um, okay, so I was talking about how Martha was found guilty of the murder of her stepdaughter, Ida, and sentenced to death. Her husband was a key witness against her because he si survived his axe attack. <laughs> so, this case is really kind of cool and unique because of what I'm about to tell you. So, the governor of the state of New York, Theodore Roosevelt... Oh! sound familiar? I would, if you're, okay, yep, okay, that was stupid, was asked to commute to place his death sentence, but he refused. Having never executed a woman in the electric chair, those responsible for carrying out the death warrant devised a new way to place the electrodes upon her, deciding to slit her dress and place the electrode on her ankle. Because remember, we're back in, like, not quite 1900 yet, so it is very, um, I don't know, seeing a girl's ankles apparently just did something for people, but look at us now. Anyways, Edwin F. Davis was the executioner, and he said she, um, while she was getting ready to be placed in the electric chair, she said a quiet prayer. Uh, Martha said, God help me, God have mercy. At 11.01, the switch was thrown. 1,760 volts seared through her body. According to the reports of witnesses, she died instantly. Um, she was buried in the family cemetery plot in East Millstone, New Jersey, without any religious observances, because, frankly, she didn't deserve them. And although a place was the first woman to die in the electric chair, she was the third to be sentenced to die by this method, the first two being serial killer Lizzie Halliday, who had an 1894 conviction commuted and sent to an asylum, and Maria Barbella, who was sentenced in 1895 and then acquitted the next year. I don't know what those ladies did. But one went crazy, and the other one was acquitted. So, like I said, um, this is obviously going to be just a little bit of a shorter episode. I'm glad I was able to tell you two super short stories about these two crazy fucking ladies. Maybe, maybe Patricia was re or maybe Martha was reincarnated to Patricia, and she was still a murderer. <laughs> I don't know. Um, as always, guys, you can um, our intro sound is Fantasy and World Music by the Fichters. Um, the, if you want to follow us on Instagram and t or Facebook, it's Arlo, hush, I'm almost done. Stop, please. That's what I've been dealing with, guys. It's going to be a long two weeks of quarantine. And just knock on wood that we don't get the freaking virus. But anyways, um, Facebook and Instagram is Bloody Babbles Podcast. Twitter is at Bloody Babbles. Um, like I said, like, I don't, we don't try to push Patreon and Anchor on you guys too much, but if you're feeling inclined, you know, and you want to donate to us, uh, it's patreon.com slash bloodybabblespodcast, and then if, um, at the end of every, every episode, it says, um, click here to support this podcast through Anchor, it's as little as 99 cents up to $10 a month, whatever you're feeling so inclined to do, you know, it's going to be appreciated, um, Eventually, like, I mean, we've got some pretty good equipment coming our way. Like I said, we're very, very fortunate um, that it wasn't worse what happened in my house. Um, I mean, it sucks that it even fucking happened. But, I mean, you can only bounce back and move forward because if you just sit there, good manners. Um, sorry, my child burped. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of crazy. It's just, I never thought I'd, it'd be... It would happen to me, honestly. It's just, it's kind of unsettling. Um, I, it's getting better. The first couple nights, it was rough, and I was lucky that Friday night, um, 
my parents had ended up watching my son for me. And right after I, after I got off the phone with my mom and then I realized, you know, all my things had been taken, um, Arlo had said he wanted to come home, but I'm like, um, no, we're gonna, we're gonna let you stay in grandma and grandpa's house because I, we ended up staying here and I don't, not that anything happened, nothing's happened to my car, knock on wood. If these people are listening, you know, I hope what you get use out of whatever you need to get that shit used for. Um, I can't just sit here and just say, oh, you won, but you, I doubt they're a listener, but you never fucking know in this crazy ass world, let alone a true crime podcast. So I just hope everyone stays safe. Um, we did get our locks changed, so that's, that's pretty pleasant. Um, that peace of mind is good. Uh, we've got new deadbolts, new doorknobs. Um, luckily my dogs were unharmed. Um, my dog Zoe, I, I don't know if I've any posted any pictures of her I need to because I keep saying I will and then I forget about it halfway th- or by the time I'm posting on Instagram. But um, she's my smaller dog. She's a corgi mix, so she's short like a corgi. She was real stressed out, so I could tell um, that she knew something was going on because luckily they um, my boyfriend had just came back into town to come pick me up from work. And um, he'd locked the dogs in the cage because it was pretty, it was, it's been pretty chilly. It was pretty chilly over the weekend yesterday and today. The weather's been absolutely gorgeous. But um, other than that, it's just... She was real stressed out. I think if they'd had been out, I don't know if they'd have done anything to them. Because I could see Zoe trying to maybe be more of the attack dog versus Shiva. But if Zoe started attacking them, then Shiva may have jumped in. I don't really know. And I'm grateful that they're both still here. Um, we're working on, you know, getting a, uh, at least a camera inside of my house. Um, so if they're listening, they're going to know, but obviously I'm going to not have it set up in a place that's super obvious. So until next time, my guys, oh, um, since I, I'm going to have a whole bunch of time on my hands, I will have a Patreon episode probably recorded tonight once Arlo goes and hangs out with his dad for a few, for a while. So I'm going to go ahead and record that. I'm actually think I'm going to do that live with a camera. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I've already posted on Patreon about it. And I know we've only got one follower on there, which is totally fine. One is better than none. (laughs) I absolutely love and adore Kendra with all of my heart. Um, Again, thank you to all of my podcast friends and family. Everybody who's reached out. Everybody who messaged. Everyone who shared um, the Wildling Wonders Art link. Um everybody. I just, I can't say it enough and I won't ever stop saying thank you. Um, I'm so appreciative. Um, our numbers jumped afterwards. So, I mean, we add the advertisements in from Anchor because we do make money from that and Podgo too. So, um, just every little bit helps right now and I'm going to be home for two weeks. So, um, that's going to be kind of detrimental. So, uh, I'm just going to truck through life and try to get through it. So, I hope everyone keeps uh, keeps keeps it safe. Keep, stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Um, don't do giant social gatherings of like 800 people. Or if you do, you know, just be smart about it. I can't tell you how to live your life, but this is very real. It's very scary. And um, on top of COVID and just being my house broken into, I'm just I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad nothing worse could have happened. And I'll just keep you guys posted if anything ends up happening. So until next time, my Babylonians, babble on.
Do you enjoy dark comedy, puns, and laughter? If so, come join two good brothers, John and Patrick, as we discuss some of the craziest ways people die. That's so bizarre, strange, and borderline comical that'll leave you dumbfounded. You can follow this podcast on all major platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. And make sure to follow us on social media on Instagram at the Dumbfounded Pod and on Twitter at TDFDPod. And remember, think ahead, don't be dumbfounded. When was the last time you watched a Disney movie? No. When did you really watch one of their early movies? My name is Jen. I started rewatching every one of the Disney animated feature films recently, and watching them with a modern eye made me say, oof, right in the childhood. Join me every Monday to learn the history behind each of these movies. And then, after I talk about the history and trivia for that movie, I'll summarize and react to my experience watching it as a modern feminist. Every week, you'll learn something, you'll laugh a little, and you'll realize that your Disney steep childhood was rife with hidden sexism, racism, classism, ableism, and more. It really will make you say, oof, right in the childhood. <laughs>